The Old Testament reading for this morning comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning in the 60th chapter at the first verse. And Isaiah wrote these things. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. Wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. The whole earth is wrapped in darkness, all people sunk in deep darkness. But God rises on you. His sunrise glory breaks over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to your sunburst brightness. Look up, look around. Watch as they gather, watch as they approach you. Your sons coming from great distances, your daughters carried by their nannies. When you see them coming, you'll smile, big smiles. Your heart will swell and, yes, burst. All those people returning by sea for the reunion, a rich harvest of exiles gathered in from the nations, and then streams of camel caravans as far as the eye can see, young camels of nomads in Midian and Ephah, pouring in from the south from Sheba, loaded with gold and frankincense, preaching the praises of God. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, God, what often makes us just plain miserable is not so much the circumstances of our lives, but our expectations of what and how life should be. Empower us to see your light. Empower us to be your light. Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. Father told his young son, go on to bed. And the boy started up the stairs but realized it was dark and that he couldn't reach the light switch. So he went back to his dad, but he told him just to go on up, because God was there. Well, the boy knew that this was his dad's final answer, so he started back up the stairs. But on the first step, he stopped and looked up and said, God, if you are there, please don't move or you'll scare me to death. You know, I can imagine that most of us can relate to this little guy's fears because all of us at some point in our lives just haven't been able to reach the light switch. And all of us at some point in our lives have been trapped in the darkness of this world looking and praying for light but really just not knowing where to look. Now, most scholars agree that Isaiah 60 was composed well after the exile, during the difficult days when the Babylonian exiles had returned to Jerusalem, only to find the place still pretty much a ruin. Filled with those who had not been exiled, peasants, small landowners, local merchants, some Samaritans perhaps from the north, 
scratching out a living for two generations or so since the great city had been torn down. And times were clearly hard. And the ancient glories of Israel, such as they ever had been, were now only a distant and painful memory. And it's into this difficult historic moment that this Isaiah prophet comes, full of hope and joy for a bright future for this wrecked land. Arise and shine, for your light has come, he shouts. The glory of Yahweh is upon you, Yahweh, the radiant one. You can almost hear the grumbling of those who first heard it. Easy for you to say, old man. You've not been here these miserable years, scratching in this rocky dirt for just a little food. And the prophet just continues. Yes, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the people, but Yahweh shall shine. God's glory will be seen around you, while nations shall go toward your light and kings to the brightness of your shining. I know that it's been real tough, says the prophet, but hang in there, because change is coming. Yahweh has shown up full of light and life, and nations will rush to you, and kings will hurry to sun themselves in the brightness of this shining. So lift your eyes up and look around. All of them, kings and nations, have gathered, and your own sons and daughters from far away will also come home. Yahweh's light will shine so brightly and attractively that nations and kings will be drawn to it like bugs to a bug light. In addition, your children are coming home. Then you will see, and you, you will shine, and Yahweh will show power, will stretch your heart so that God will visit you with a sea of nations that will come. You see, the result of the light of Yahweh is that Israel will have its heart enlarged and stretched in order that they might receive the sea of nations that will be coming to the light of Yahweh. You see, Yahweh's light always stretches hearts in such a way as to open them to those who are other and different. And without this stretching, we cannot receive those who are not like us. Now Matthew's Gospel tells the story of visitors from the east drawn to Jerusalem by the appearance of a star, traveling far to offer their gifts and their worship. And it is quite clear that Matthew means to connect Jesus' story to Isaiah's promise delivered hundreds of years earlier. Matthew wants the people to whom he writes the early followers of Jesus, living out their faith in a hostile world, living as oppressed people. Matthew wants these folks to know that the glory of the Lord is shining on them. He wants them to strengthen their minds and their hearts and be confident about what God will do among them. 
You see, I believe he even wants them to be excited. But we don't get excited anymore. We're older and wiser. We're a bit more sophisticated, more realistic. We're just really too cool for all of that. And the real shame of our churches, the flaw in so many of our churches, I think, is that we continually let the culture shape us instead of the other way around. The attitudes and expectations and standards of contemporary society, they're mirrored in our church. We apply the same standards of justice applied by everybody else. We adopt the same priorities adopted by everybody else. We speak the same wisdom spoken by everybody else. We expect our people to behave just like everybody else is behaving. And we also expect our people not to get too awful excited. Because you see, it's the weird people. <laughs> the people in those way out churches that get so excited. But we are too mature and adult for all of that. But folks, when we allow the culture to completely shape the church, the church, in my opinion, quickly becomes irrelevant and powerless. Only another agent used to maintain the status quo. But when we allow our faith to shape us, and when our faith begins to address and help shape the prevailing culture, then the church becomes an agent of the kingdom and of real transformation. And that, I hope this morning for you, is something to get excited about. So you see, Isaiah spoke to people in darkness and promised the saving light of Yahweh. And Matthew spoke of foreigners acknowledging in a place of darkness the surprising light of God in the life of Jesus. And we who walk in various shades of darkness hear this same promise and hold on to this same hope. Isaiah's listeners, you see, had a real difficult time imagining Yahweh was bringing light to them. And Matthew's readers and listeners and hearers had an equally difficult time imagining that in a time of Roman Empire, the light of God could still come, especially in the form of the simple birth of a peasant child. And I think we too at times have a difficult time imagining that the light of God might yet come. So I encourage you today to please just look around you. I hope that you can join with me and imagine that the light of God is still shining in the darkest of places. This is Epiphany Sunday. We celebrate the in-breaking light of God. And that it is for us, daybreak after daybreak, the very, very best gift of all. Amen.